Are you ready to dive into a world of captivating stories, laughter, and enlightenment? Look no further than Unfiltered Studios, your gateway to an incredible podcasting experience. Join St. Joe on Nailed It as he explores life's victories, one nail at a time. Petals of Support brings you heartwarming tales that remind us, even in the darkest moments, there's beauty and hope. Get ready to be entertained by the wit and humor of The Sleevy G Show, where interviews are always fascinating. Need a good laugh? Tune in to Refiltered, our comedy podcast that's sure to tickle your funny bone. Discover inner peace and guidance on Finding Your Way, a spiritual podcast that nurtures your soul. Relax your mind and body with hypno-wellness, your path to a healthier, more balanced life. Love movies? Movie Lovers Unite is your passport to a world of cinematic wonders. Immerse yourself in the magic of storytelling, laughter, and enlightenment as you're taken on a journey through the fascinating realm of movies and television. And don't forget the Stupid History Minute, where we uncover the quirkiest stories of everyday items. Unfiltered Studios is your destination for diverse, engaging content. Subscribe now and join the podcasting revolution. Unfiltered Studios, where every story finds its voice. Visit unfpod.com today. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me, I have my good friend Tamika with me. We're going to be talking about Night of the Living Dead, and I can't wait to dive into this. I had a good time watching this for the very first time, and without further ado, let's go on ahead. Let's get into it. I'm excited to have Tamika here. We're going to be diving right into the dead. Hey, Tamika, how are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. What about you? I'm doing fantastic. And it's awesome. always great to actually talk about a 1960s movie, a 1968 film at that, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, but yeah, I just want to tell everybody that we are actually part of Unfiltered Studios and we're part of that network. So, you know, it's just great to be able to network with people within the community itself, have Sleepy G, also to have Rossi on there and everything too. So it's good to actually be a part of Unfiltered Studios. So, you know, so my question for you, though, Tamika is this. So when did you first see Night of the Living Dead? Oh, okay. okay. <clears throat> yeah. So <laughs> okay, so Night of the Living Dead. Maybe it was a couple years ago I saw it. I think on uh, you know how Turner Classic Movies has their Halloween movies. Yeah, I, I just randomly saw it one day because I've heard so much about it. So I was like, all right, let me sit down and watch this movie. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, it's pretty good. And then I got to the end and I'm like, oh God, it's sad. And I was so depressed <laughs> that I, I didn't watch it anymore until you till um till this this day. <laughs> <laughs> Until I invited you on to the podcast yeah, to talk about I this didn't watch it anymore. I was like, this is just too depressing. <laughs> it, I could definitely see that. This is actually my first time watching it. I definitely, I, you know what though? This paid homage to all the other different uh, zombie movies and stuff like that. Also to The Walking Dead as well. So, you know, I'm definitely happy that people paid homage to um, George Romero and of course with The Night of the Living Dead, so I'm appreciative of that. But we're going to be diving into this movie scene by scene. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, we're going to go on ahead and do this. Welcome, dear listeners, to a podcast that's more alive than the undead. 
I'm your host, John DiGorio. Hey, I'm Tamika, and we're here to give you a lively discussion about the classic horror film that's been reanimated into the hearts for generations. And that's right. Today, we're digging six feet deep into George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, where zombies aren't the only things rising from the graves. Oh, we'll die. Sorry. We'll dissect the scares, explore the spine-tingling moments, and even share some fun trivia that make your skin crawl. So grab your popcorn, lock the doors, and join us as we unravel horror that started it all. This is Night of the Living Dead, and because the only thing scarier than the dead coming back to life is missing out on your undead discussions. So I'm just going to go into a little bit of history with this. So Night of the Living Dead, of course, is directed by George Romero. It's in 1968, and it was also an independent black and white horror film. Ben is played by uh, Duane Jones and ba- and Barbara. Judith Barbara is actually played by Judith O'Day. Are the protagonists of the story about the mysterious reminiscence of the recently dead and their efforts, along with five other people, to survive the night while trapped in a rural Pennsylvania farmhouse. Mm. George Romero completed the film on a $114,000 budget, and after decades of cinematic re-releases, it grossed some $12 million domestically and $3 million internationally. On its release in 1968, Night of the Living Dead was strongly criticized for its explicit content. In 1999, the Library of Congress registered it to be the National Film Registry as a film deemed historically, culturally, and or authentically important. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Yeah, yeah, it all made sense. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know that it was... Um, it it was uh, criticized. I guess just showing there's a scene where this girl murders her um, mom, her parent. So maybe that part was criticized back in 1968. But I am glad that it is it made the Library of Congress. That's pretty cool. Night of the Living Dead had a great impact upon the culture of the Vietnam era United States because it, it is landed with cortex uh, of late 1960s U.S. society. A historian described it as a sudden uh, survive on many levels. Although it is not the first zombie film, Night of the Living Dead is the uh, prognator of the uh, conspiracy zombie apocalypse subgenre of horror film. And it influenced the modern pop culture zombie archetype. Night of the Living Dead, 1968, is the first of the five dead films directed by George Romero and twice has been remade as of Night of the Living Dead, 1990 film directed by Tom Savini, and as Night of the Living Dead 3D in 2006. Oh, really? Yep. That's a 3D movie? <laughs> oh, my God. 3D movie, unfortunately. And anytime when they make a 3D movie, you know it's going to suck, basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, that's just a little bit of the trivia. Yeah. I was just going to say when I, um, I heard this film was the catalyst for all other zombie films, just how it's like the architect, right? How zombies move, how they walk, uh, shoot them in the head, burn them with fire. Uh, it's kind of cool just seeing the, these original zombies and how different they look. They, they, you know, if you compare these zombies, they just are like pale. Right, so they just look like normal people with tattered right. clothes versus what we see now in The Walking Dead, where they're like rotten and decayed. It's a drastic difference. Yeah, a whole lot different. And yes, you do see a little bit of decay and stuff like that on the makeup and stuff with the prosthetics, but not as grotesque as you do with The Walking Dead either. Because with The Walking Dead, they really went the whole entire nine yards of the skin rotting off mm-hmm. and things like that. But 
they had like little. To be honest with you, for 1968, they just did some small delicate stuff with the makeup and the cosmetics and everything. You can see some decay, you can see some tearing in the skin and stuff like that. But it wasn't like heavily on the gore itself. I don't think. I think the whole entire aspect of this film is the fact that you have the dead walking, mm -hmm. and you're more scared about that than you are the actual gore. And they're not really um, very gore or heavy on the gore, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so the plot. Bickering siblings, Johnny, who's played Russell Steiner, and Barbara, Judith uh, Odea, drive to the rural Pennsylvania cemetery to place a cross with, a fl with flowers on their father's grave. Johnny teases his sister, who is afraid of cemeteries, taunting her. They're coming to get you, Tamika, a pale faced man, S. Williams, Hensman, lumbers towards the pair. <laughs> <laughs> the man suddenly grabs Barbara and Johnny rushes to save her. While fighting the man, Johnny falls and hits his head on a gravestone, killing him. Barbara flees in Johnny's car, but without the key, driving it downhill into a tree, she abandons the car and runs to a nearby farmhouse to hide. She grabs a knife to use for self-defense and soon discovers the that others, like the man, are outside. While exploring the empty house, she discovers a hideously mutilated corpse at the top of the stairs. So what did you think of the whole introduction to Johnny and Barbara? Um, It took me some time to figure out their siblings because at first I thought that that was her boyfriend and they were going to like her uncle's grave or something. But anyway, um, I thought Johnny was a prick. Um, yeah. He didn't really take death seriously. It was like death was an inconvenience because he would be like, oh man, here we go. We got to go out here and Oh, we got to travel and oh, we got to put, put flowers on my dead grave. Oh, it's daylight <laughs> savings time. And, oh, why do we spend money on flowers on graves? We got to put it on there anyway. I want some candy. You got any candy? I'm like, this dude is a douche. He really is. He really is a ball bag. And you have poor Barbara <laughs> over there being frightened and everything. Because, oh my, no, no. Yeah. And then did you catch too? He's, that's what I thought. Because he was like, why do we have to put flowers on this man? We don't even, I didn't even know him. So I thought, I didn't think that was their dad. The way he talked about him, there was disconnect. I wonder if they if it was just a sperm donor that just happened to just leave them. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean. <laughs> I ain't putting no flowers on my sperm donor's grave. <laughs> In that case, I'm with Johnny then. <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Anytime when you're putting a gr uh, flowers on a grave, it does have a sense of inconvenience of being there by yourself. And it's awkward in a sense. But it's a family member that you're laying down flowers for. And there shouldn't be any inconvenience at all. It should be willingly putting the flowers on the grave and everything for your loved one. And then, of course, Barbara is over there telling him, well, we should have left early mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and everything. And we wouldn't be in this predicament if we would have just left early. And he's like, yes, daylight savings time, daylight savings time, the sun's going to be coming down. It's only 8 o'clock. It'll be fine, you know? But... Yeah, he was so inconvenienced being there. And, like, you could, all the tropes were there. Like, the radio was on. He was like, um, I'm sure they're not talking about anything. Click. And he's like, okay. And then the wind is howling. And he's like, hmm, it's windy out here. Man, whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then he's talking about the church. He's like, oh, look at the church over there. Whatever. Oh, why are you praying? Don't we pray in church? Oh, get up. Everything was an inconvenience to Johnny. Even Barbara praying was an inconvenience to him. He's like, I have better things to do than to be out here putting flowers on this man's grave that I don't even like. Clearly, he got daddy issues. He definitely does have daddy issues and stuff like that. And he just wanted to leave the cemetery as soon as he got there. He just wanted to put yeah. the flowers on the grave and then leave. But you can definitely tell which sibling was actually the better sibling out of the both of them. It was definitely play Barbara and yes there's always that one trope right where basically you have the douchebag brother uh and then something bad winds up happening to him mm. and that's exactly what happens with Johnny he winds up hitting his head on the gravestone and then she runs into the farmhouse and I like how they go on ahead Barbara shuts the door and she has the knife and she's slowly walking around the house in this abandoned house it seems like and then she sees this corpse I thought the corpse looks really good for 1968 I thought that it was kind of spooky kind Kind of also kind of cheesy now looking at what we compared to what we have mm -hmm. today but for those days i can definitely see the eeriness within it and of course with the blackness of that house as well just made it a whole lot more spookier to me yeah actually can we go back i know the there was a man coming and you would think oh this must be some drunk guy at the gravesite and he's like it's coming to get you barbara <laughs> and he like ran ahead of her not even protecting his sister and then it turned out it was a zombie and then he jumped right. And then tries to rescue her and, you know, then he smashes his head on the gravestone. And I thought that was a way of death was coming to Johnny for disrespecting the afterlife. And for breaking the rules of the afterlife. Yeah, and it's spare Barbara, but, you know. I can see that. I, I can definitely see that in a way because Johnny just doesn't take death seriously while Barbara is over there respecting the dead and stuff like that. And, you know, it also goes to how we would react in a situation if we saw a zombie, though, too. We would think that this guy was just a crazy person coming over near us, just stumbling and being probably drunk. We wouldn't even think of the fact that this could be a zombie or anything because we've never been face-to-face -face with something like that. So we wouldn't know how to react. Yeah. So it's our reaction, their reaction would be our reaction. Especially the way he looked, too. Like, he didn't look like the zombies we know. He just looked like a regular pale-faced guy. Well, most guys are pale. <laughs> he just looked like a, a guy that had, like, pale face and maybe hadn't slept in a while and was drunk and he had tattered clothes. And then he was just stumbling. So you would think, oh, it's just a drunk on the street. Please get away from me. You're attacking me. I wouldn't have thought that that was a zombie. Right, exactly. And I think that would be how it would be today, though, if you've ever seen one. It'd be like, okay, well, you know, it's just a drunk guy. It's just someone on the street. It's nothing that major. Then all of a sudden, he bites you, and the next thing you know, you're infected yeah. because of this guy. Yeah, the house, yeah, her, like you said, seeing that corpse, and it was... I actually want to know how they did that because it was like a skeleton but then there was like the flesh was melted. It was really spooky. I think that's the most visceral image besides the ending for me that was in the movie was just seeing that I don't know if it was a woman or a man just seeing them at the top of the stairs and then Barbara she's like slowly losing her mind just rummaging around lost bewildered. She saw her brother killed by a zombie. I don't know. Right. She's very traumatized and shocked over 
over everything yeah. and she's just quiet the whole entire time trying to process what's going on and this is something that is not common in our world either so it's like okay my brother died he got bit by he ended up dying he ended up hitting his head on a gravestone he got bit by a zombie what the hell is going on it's just her way of trying to cope with it and there's a lot to process and then you wind up finding out that there's more people in this house and then you find a corpse and i'm wondering to myself i'm like how long was that corpse there how long has this been going on yes and stuff like that because it could have been going on and nobody even realized it because everybody's just busy with their everyday life to not even notice mm, yeah yeah because when the other characters come into play besides the the black guy being uh the other characters like yeah we saw her upstairs but then we we hid i was like oh okay <laughs> It's like, ah, she dead. We saw her upstairs. She good. She dead. Of course, she She's couldn't good. come back to life because she was... Uh, yeah, that part, I don't know how she died. That corpse. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, I don't know how long it's been there. Exactly. So, I'm I'm wondering if this person probably locked themselves up somewhere and just died. Mm. So, it makes you wonder about what happened with the origins of that character, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, I like the fact that they leave it open to interpretation of what we think that might have happened to that. So, in a panic and attempting to leave the house, Barbara is found by Ben, who arrives in a pickup truck and attacks the mysterious figures with a tire iron. After sub- subduing one of them, Ben sets the body on fire, scaring off the others. Ben boards up the doors and windows from the inside with a dis- uh, dismantled furniture and scrapes and scraps of wood. Meanwhile, Barbara has a hysterical outburst. Ben takes a chair outside and sets it on fire again to scare off the attackers. Ben finds a rifle and a radio as Barbara lies uh, catatonic, incorporate, uh, incapacitated on a couch in, a- in the living room. The two are unaware that Harry and Helen Cooper, uh, their daughter Karen and teenager couple Tom and Judy have been hiding in the cellar until later. One of the attackers bit Karen earlier and she has fallen ill. Harry wants the group to barricade themselves in the cellar but Ben argues that they would effectively be trapped themselves down there. Ben carries the argument and the group operates uh, bigly in Harry Harry's case to reinforce the main part of the house. Mm. So, my thing is this. I'm with Ben on this. Like, I would rather be upstairs than I would be downstairs in a smaller place, especially a basement in a cellar. Because at least you have room to run if you need to run. And then I also like his survival skills. Ben winds up burning, uh, takes a tire iron and hits hits these zombies like they're nothing. And then also burns a part of the chair and drags it out of the house, pushes it out of the house. (laughs) So, I like his survival skills. I'm like, look, I'm going with this dude. You can go on ahead and stay down in the cellar your zombie uh, daughter. Yeah, I was going to ask you that too earlier, which one you would have chosen, like the cellar or being upstairs, but you answered my questions, which is upstairs. I don't know. If if we go toward the end of the film, it seemed like the cellar was a bit more safe than being upstairs, but... Uh, it's kind of 50-50. But if you went, here's the thing with me, though. If you went to the cellar, they would still get in no matter what. So either way it goes, you'd be as well. At least you have the defense of maybe barricading another, putting another barricade up or something, mm-hmm. finding something in the house to barricade them and keep them out a little bit longer versus it being inside the basement. That's the way I was going with it. True, true. Yeah. And um, I mean, just uh, just being introduced to Ben, like he's, he's the only black character, I think, that's in this film. Yeah. And just the way he's introduced, like this quote-unquote knight in shining armor. I mean, <laughs> I got 
got that backwards. White knight. White knight. You know, just coming in. Say black knight. I don't know. Black knight. Okay, that's good. Black knight comes there in, go. gets off his pickup <laughs> truck, and he's just like falling into her arms. Like, hey, we need to get inside. And she's like, oh my God. But yeah, like you said, he just um, just seeing a character like him in this time period in 68, just initiating everything and saying, hey, we need to get food. We need to do this. You go there. You do this. But I also thought it was kind of interesting when he was in the kitchen just looking for food and she puts the knife down, but it's kind of facing him. Like the blade is facing him. Like there's some mistrust there. So I wasn't sure if the the character was like, I don't trust you because you're still black. I don't know. Well, for me, I took it as this. If someone random person that you didn't know just came in that in that house and you're by yourself and you witness what you witnessed with your brother dying. That's true. And, and you don't know this person from Adam. You don't know anything. All you know is this guy helped you. Yeah. But at the same time, is this guy in it for himself? Is he just there to raid the house and then leave? Or what's going on? So there's a little bit, of course, there's going to be a little bit of mistrust because this girl does not know him or anything. He may have good intentions for himself, but is he out there for her too? That's another thing so i can definitely see her defense of that in a sense you know what i mean but yeah. that's that's just how i'm looking at it is if i was trapped with somebody i didn't know i would have probably acted the same way of having my walls up a little bit mm -hmm. yeah totally. but i do have to laugh at how he winds up hitting her he okay her. so she hit him first so you gotta right. see that first but even mike tyson her ass she was like okay okay but she hit him <laughs> first right because right. she was like we gotta find my brother johnny and then she smacked him your brother's like, you know, yeah and he's like your brother's dead and she was in hysterics so he's like ah smack ah. just punched her out it's like sit down somewhere it was like watching uh punch out from uh nes all over again <laughs> yeah she was out half the movie <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but okay so after that winds up happening um i definitely like how ben is actually re reinforcing it of the yes. the room and stuff yes i like how he's using the technique of using double doors to block out the zombies and stuff like that boarding up the house keeping it all together in a defensive kind of way i definitely like his survival skills on that very resourceful for a man that's been dropped in the middle of this and he doesn't know what's going on but he just using chairs and tables and whatever else he can get his hands on. Like I said, a barricade, all windows and doors. But yeah, I yeah, I mean, you can just take notes from Ben on how to survive a zombie apocalypse. Just board up all the windows and doors. This whole movie just feels like a guidebook for future movies that have used it or for you to use it yourself. Right, because if I was going to survive with anybody, it would be Ben because he definitely was one of those guys that was like, you know what? I'm going to take charge. I'm going to do what I have to do to protect people, even though I don't know them. And, you know, I and he built up a good defense. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with Ben. Yeah. And then you got to accept that he's the boss because he tell you he's the boss. And you got to so say, yes, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the introduction of Harry and Helen Cooper? I was like, where y'all came from, first off? Didn't y'all know? Like, I was with Ben. He was like, where? These two dudes came out of nowhere. He's like, okay, first off, where y'all been? Didn't you know that we were getting attacked up here? And then um, Mr. Cooper, Harry, he was like, oh, we heard some noise, but then we didn't hear any noise. We don't know. We can't hear anything. We're in the basement downstairs. It's like, how long have they been in? 
in that basement, you know, and he did yeah. all the work. Basically, he boarded up the whole house and they want to pop up at the end. Tom, so where the food at? Is there some food around <laughs> here? <laughs> just came you know what? They're just food. like the people. You know what they remind me of though, Tamika, as well? You know how you have like a group project in school? Yeah. And, supposed to be a, and everybody's supposed to participate? Oh, That's what God. they are. They can't, that <laughs> is them. They come up when it's time for grades. <laughs> oh, that's so damn. Everybody got it. done doing all the work and here yeah. come the freeloaders. Ben did all the work. He put a presentation together and then he come to these two like, hey, what's up? What grade we got? That's exactly how it felt. After they just came back from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre basement. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that whole argument like, no, we're safer down there. And then Mr. Cooper wanted him to take all that stuff off the windows and put it down at the uh, basement window. I'm not taking all that stuff down, nailed all no. this stuff. I can't. <laughs> and then he was even trying to tell him, look, we're be better off safer up here than we are down there. Yes. And he's like, no, uh, we're better off in the basement. And then of course he's looking at his son-in-law and everything too he's like so you're gonna stay up here or you're gonna go come down with me he's like i'm gonna stay with ben yeah and i don't blame him i would actually like i said from the very beginning i would actually stay with ben and you know tom winds up staying up there with him and you know you actually have judy uh as well who's actually up there too while the while harry is over there being pissed off because nobody wants to come and join him back down to the basement again other than his uh, his uh d other daughter downstairs who got bitten by a zombie yeah and his wife who is like are you and stupid <laughs> they got food up there and they got a radio and he got a gun woman shut up yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got the essentials upstairs and all we got down here is each other right <laughs> a tight face with a sick child but reports explained that an epidemic of a mass murder is sweeping across the eastern seaboard of the United States. Later, Ben discovers the television upstairs, and the emergency broadcaster reveals that the murderers are, are consuming their victims' flesh. Subsequent uh, broadcast reports that the murders are being uh, perpetrated by a recently dise diseased who have returned to life. Experts, scientists, and military are not sure of the cause of the re remination, but one of the scientists is certain that it is the result of radiation emanating from a, ve from a Venus space probe that exploded in the Earth's atmosphere. A final report instructs that a gunshot or a heavy blow to the head will stop the goals and, and that poses of armed men are patrolling the countryside to restore the order. So what did you think of, of that? Um, I'm just gonna say this film is the origin, the grandfather of all the zombie films. So in this instance, it's radiation and it's NASA's fault. <laughs> <laughs> now it's NASA's fault that these zombies are here. Because according to the news station, is NASA was doing a Venus probe and they had radiation, and then that radiation got out of control and spilled into the Earth's atmosphere. It's basically what I think the gist of it was. Yeah. So it, it is interesting hearing this part of how these zombies became reanimated through radiation. And then the uh, films after it's a virus. And this right. is the first time it's some type of outside entity that occurred to reanimate these zombies. And then so forth, you have different reasons for why these zombies have come back to life. I mean, these people have come back to life in the zombies. Right. But I like the aspect of the fact that this is something that com that's coming out from radiation versus it being like a chemical uh, that somebody ate or anything like that. It's very mm -hmm. different and unique. Nobody, nobody at that time actually thought of, okay, well, let's try and think of an a clever idea to do this zombie film than to do the Venus probe. 
and then to let it affect the Earth, get into the Earth's atmosphere. So I like that concept of that. And then you also have these townspeople. Yep, we're gonna go ahead and go go and catch us some zombies and shoot them and one shot to the head. That should do it right there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you. And I yeah. thought to myself, this is the most friendly group of people that I ever seen that yeah. has a solution to this problem without destroying the whole entire Earth. Because the military yeah. is also backing them up too. I'm like, this is the most friendliest group of military people that are backing them up. And they're like on TV going, yep, yep, all you have to do is just shoot them in the head. We're going to go out tomorrow morning. We're going to go to the next town and the next town after that. We're going to shoot down every single one of them ones that we see and it's going to be all good. <laughs> At least you have a plan. That in his sense is scary. <laughs> having a bunch of like racist hicks talking about all you gotta do is shoot them in the head and burn them bodies that seemed to be good and they're they're lined up like a christmas tree hell yeah unfortunately come on up now Uh not on my watch yeah that was scary anyway but also it was it's hard to tell what george is the director's what his context is like he just sees this as a regular zombie film but when when you look at it it's so much you can pull apart from it and i guess that's just the viewer's interpretation like to me it felt like he was saying it was the government's fault that we had these zombies you know exactly that's what i'm saying though too i think it's like an attack on the government itself for letting something like this happen whenever they were the ones who are in control of this thing especially whenever we have people up in nasa trying to do this venus probe and now that everybody's zombies because of it cause and effect yes but of course he'll tell you that's not what he planned it's just a regular zombie (laughs) just like he's like oh there's oh there happens to be a black lead Mm, he was just the best one for the he was just the best after yeah, all. Just to be there. Yeah. You know what though? I'm happy that a black, someone of color was the main character, and he wasn't just a throwaway character. He was a very strong character up until the very end. So that's something I really like. Yes, I I like that too. And then just hearing documentaries about this film, mm-hmm. um, just how assertive Ben is. Ben is the black character, and he's telling Coop, Mr. Cooper, "You, I'm the boss of." here you be the boss down there yes mm-hmm. if you hear if you see that in 1968 and you're like who is this black man talking to this white guy like this or who is that black man that just smacked the crap out of that white woman <laughs> Right, open up her, her uh, coat, and if you know you're racist, and you see that is more threatening than the zombies. Like, oh, this black guy just hit this this pure innocent white woman, then picked her up and laid her on the sofa. That's like your worst fear. It's like you know, if you're a white racist man. But I also looked at it like this though too, as well, because of the fact that it's all about survival yes. as well. Yes, and there's no rules anymore. Forget about you have to work together in order to get along and if there's racism in there you're not going to survive it because if you are still prejudiced during a zombie apocalypse your ass is going to die no matter what yes walking dead like the said the first episode daryl's brother was still racist yeah yep and i think in one of these night of the living dead films there is a racist character and he's like you know spouting all these racist sayings and i'm like it's an apocalypse you still racist 
But some, some people are oblivious to what's going on to the fact that they don't want to get they don't want to see what's in front of them they'd rather be who they still are versus and try to help and to change well just like in the walking dead i would leave them chained up to a pipe too i think so i think that's the best route <laughs> not gonna help they're gonna be racist you stay over there you go your way i go my way you be the boss up on the brain pipe i'll be the boss in the building mm, yeah you just go on over there <laughs> but yeah i'd like that i like that i that idea though of you know what since you think that you know best you be the boss down there you tell me how you how it's going down there i'm gonna be the boss up here so i like how ben takes charge it's like you know what i'm not gonna get you to stay with me if you don't want to stay you don't want to stay but that's on you if you die i'm trying to keep you guys alive exactly and then everyone was like yeah he is trying to keep us alive i mean he had all the uh the supplies he had food yeah I'm assuming there was water, a radio, yeah. and not a TV. And he got all that upstairs. And what you right. got? And even his wife, there? like you said, his wife is like, wait, he's got a TV? Yeah. yeah. He's got a radio? Yeah. He's got food? Yeah. Then what the hell are we doing down? Ah, we can still make it work down here. We don't need, they weren't talking about nothing up there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and if they would have stayed down there, he, they would have been just the same as that corpse that was upstairs because yeah. they don't have no food. They don't have any way to yeah. survive. That's true. Yeah. What happens if Ben dies? And yes, what happens if they just happen? The zombies just happen to leave the house after they wind up killing Ben and the rest of them. There's no food anymore. There's nothing there. So therefore, your choices are either to die in that house mm-hmm. or to leave that house and find food. And hopefully, you won't die finding food. Yeah, I felt too. Just there was so many chances to escape. You know, it was multiple chances to escape, and they all got foiled. And that felt so disheartening to me it was like you know they were like okay there is a, a gas tank on this property and then you know Ben and the other guy was trying to get things together get the gas but then the other guy got clumsy and started wasting gasoline where Ben had the fire torch and he's like get out of the car and that guy well, Oh, well, we're going to get to that in a minute. So, <laughs> so Ben devises a plan to escape using his truck involving all of the men in the house. The truck is in need of fuel. So Ben and Tom leave the house to obtain fuel. While Harry hurls a motor cocktails from a bomb an upper wi- uh, window. Ben is armed with a rifle and torch. While Tom is, Tom is to drive the truck and the man uh, man the gas pump. On the way out the door, Judy fears for her boyfriend's safety and chases after Tom. Upon arriving at the pump, Ben places the torch on the ground next to the truck, and Tom then carelessly splashes gasoline on, onto the torch and the fire that quickly ignites the truck. Tom tries to drive the truck away from the gas pumps to avoid further damage, but when he go- goes to the ex- to exit the truck, Judy gets stuck. Tom goes back into the truck to try and free her, but, that, but the truck explodes, killing them both. Ben runs back to the house to find that Harry has locked him out. He kicks the door open, and then Fury punches Harry repeatedly. Harry, Harry also locked out a girlfriend because he was like, where are you going? She's like, I must go to my man. And he's like, okay, click, click, click. And then she turned around like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Spaghettios, <laughs> but you know the way that they died and stuff like that. I'm like, well, I thought that she could still got out of that out of the truck. I thought that she just stayed in the truck for some reason. I don't know. I maybe I looked at her weird because of how lighting was for the black and white. Mm, yeah, you mean like there was still a chance for them to get right? Out. And her coat got uh-huh. caught on the door, right? And then he was trying to. I guess it was a ticking time bomb anyway, right? 
Right. Because it was only a matter. Yeah, only a matter of time. That's kind of hard, though, because you don't know how much time you got. It was best if they just got out the truck while it was on fire. Exactly. But I was also, if I was also him, though, too, I would have just left her in the car and let her blow up. <laughs> he loved her, John. I know, but it's all about survival. <laughs> No, he said, oh. he said, that's my girl. I gotta, let me help you with your coat. Bam. We both, at least they ain't become shame just now. <laughs> at least they become zombies. <laughs> they, went, they went out. Yeah. Become zombies together. I just became Shane from The Walking Dead now, now that I just realized what I did. You did. You're like, bye, bitch. <laughs> oh. Deuces, you had your kids. You can have more your coat outside. Sorry. Like, he did that. How far could he have run before the explosion would have killed him, too? True. I didn't think about that because uh, even the impact alone would have probably killed him, though, too, because the impact could have actually thrown him somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. But at least it was a quick death. At least he didn't burn the burn the alive. Yeah, they just they didn't get to be zombies. See, <laughs> but um, some of the living dead um, upon the truck in a notoriously gruesome scene begins eating Tom and Judy's hard remains. Meanwhile, others try to break through the door and windows of the house, some pounding with their fists while others use bricks on boards. Ben manages to hold them back but drops his rifle. Harry seizes the fallen like a dumbass and and turns it on Ben who wrestles it away from Harry and shoots him like he should. Harry stumbles into the cellar and he does right where he said he wanted to survive at. Isn't that the irony of the fact that he was wanting to survive down in the basement and so happens to be when Ben shoots him he actually dies in the basement? Yes. It's a lesson that you can't just survive on your own. You need other people. Exactly. But I also like um, the fact that, you know, all this time, he's like, I'm the first thing I, first thing I get, I'm going to take Ben's rifle. Yeah. He think he the leader. I'm the leader up in here. I'm the man. <laughs> then he found out how quick he wasn't the man. No, he was not the man. He couldn't even protect his own wife and kid. No. No. And he even locked his own daughter-in-law outside of the house. <laughs> Whatever. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. He felt uh, emasculated as a man since Ben was telling him, I'm the boss. And he said it in front of his wife. So I guess he was like, mm, I'm going to show him. I'm going to try to get my own manhood back. But like you said, it cost him his life. It did. What, what do you have now? You have nothing. Nothing. But being a and son. Exactly. But hey, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Mm, preach. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what did you think of the idea of the zombies using stuff to break down the doors and stuff? Because I was not expecting that. I was yeah. just expecting that the bang on the doors and stuff like that be very slow moving. I didn't expect them to be picking up bricks and stuff. I'm like, okay, that was something I wasn't expecting. Yeah, very resourceful zombies. It's like some some memory bank unlocked. Like, oh, we can use a brick <laughs> and knock down the door. <laughs> to get in <laughs> and then the, the, I don't know how far along we are but the way they all came in the house it was like they were pushing furniture around like how do you know to push furniture around they watch Scooby do <laughs> I'm like wait, what level is this is this like level one where you still retain some of your memory where you're like okay we can push this and pick up a brick right. versus level two zombies that, were, that woman that was eating tree bark I guess it's, they were level one zombies <laughs> Negative one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there was a can I say, and then there was a two naked zombies for no reason. I was like, what that's all I hear right now. Probably died getting it on, probably. That's true. That is true. That's, that is way I would go. that's a that's a horrible way to go. <laughs> 
I mean, you dance, so you like, yeah. and it's like walking around naked, and I just never seen like butt naked zombies. That's what I'm saying. Me either. That is the first time for everything. So this is very true. Okay, horny <laughs> zombies. Got it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so shortly after Helen discovers that her daughter Karen has been transformed into one of the living dead and is consuming her father's corpse good Karen repeatedly stabs her mother with a cement towel killing her before going upstairs meanwhile the undead finally break into the house and Barbara sees her brother Johnny among them the uh, resultant shock causes her to lower her defenses and she is carried away into the zombie horde mm. and retreats into the cellar Locking the door behind him, he shoots uh, uh, Harry and Helen Cooper and waits out until morning, hoping for any chance of escaping the zombies. My thing is this, okay? So, why would you... Okay, why? Uh, that's something that was shocking for me. Karen repeatedly stabs her mother with the cement towel. That was something that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and even in the in this era of the film, I don't think that that was even seen a kid killing their parent. It was so visceral yeah. the way she did it. And then the music was like, ink, ink, ink. I was like, Ugh. I was wondering what that was. I'm glad you said it. I was like, what tool is she using? Yeah, she used a cement trawl. This is what it's called, not towel, trawl. Oh, I'm thinking that these level one zombies have some type of memory. Because she's level one. Some mom did something to her because she just like repeatedly killed her. And most zombies, they don't even know. They're just like, oh, and then they eat you. She's like, like stabbing her with intent and passion. So I'm just going to say she's a level one. Zombie. For the crime of passion. <laughs> yeah. Level one zombies have retained some of their memories where they, they push furniture around. They use a brick to bust in windows and they like um, take revenge out on people who did them wrong. I can do that. But what did you think of seeing Johnny again? I mean, and, come on. Why would you run towards Johnny thinking that he was alive after hitting his head on the gravestone. I know that we keep on mentioning the gravestone every single time we mention Johnny, but even she, even whenever she's like, look, we got to find Johnny. Johnny has the car keys. He, he, he knows how to get us out of here. I'm like, dude, he's dead. There's no coming back from what just happened to him. And then why would you run? Is it just the disbelief and the shock of the fact that she's seen her brother and maybe the possibility of the fact that he could be alive? Yes. Because when he hit his Head, she didn't really know if he was alive or not. And she didn't even know what these creatures were. I'm just playing devil's advocate with Barbara. You know, she's a dunce. <laughs> and then Johnny's coming out at her. She's like, oh my God, Johnny, you're alive. Even knowing everything we know, what the newscaster said, that these people are dead and they're coming back alive. I guess just seeing the familiarity of, oh, my brother's alive. But he was still a douche. And then he had his douchey gloves on as a zombie. And I was like, oh my God. I, for, I forgot. I'll be honest. I forgot all about Johnny until I saw him as a zombie. I was like, oh yeah, Johnny, I forgot. Well, to be honest with you, this is my first time watching it. So I was thinking, okay, well, Johnny's gone. He's dead. And that's it. That's the end of yeah. it. I thought that was going to be the end of his character. Then we wind up finding him later on and he's a zombie. So I thought, okay, so now you actually just have her, the sister doing stupid shit going towards her brother. With his leather gloves on, by the way. Right. He's the most stylish zombie in the movie <laughs> with his leather gloves on and his suit and right. tie coming towards his i never seen a yeah. more stylish zombie in my life. Like, you know, whenever the news report comes on, right, I 
the first thing I thought of, like when they were trying to hunt down all these zombies, I thought that it would actually be where you see cars turning over and stuff like that. And it was like a bunch of chaos, but they're just walking mm-hmm. around in Washington, D.C. like it's nothing. Exactly. I'm like, did the zombies not come to Washington? They just <laughs> came to these rural, rural <laughs> landscapes <laughs> and they didn't make it to Washington yet. Everybody's walking around the street, no, not a care in the world. But it was is. there just like a giant wall up whenever the, uh, that whole entire atmosphere thing happened with the radiation was there just like a wall up around washington like nothing was harmed you cannot harm the government officials and then the newscasters i'm like so how are they surviving i always wondered that you know in these zombie films where they have newscasters i'm like okay do they have barricades around the studio how are they still surviving i'm thinking that they're dead because don't forget the power goes out there's no way of knowing of any kind of outside news or anything because remember later on the film the power goes out so now they don't have any contact at all with the radio or or the television yeah so i mean I'm, like before all that like how do they survive i i don't know that's an interesting question but i don't think they do survive i'm just gonna be real i think that if everybody's infected with this radiation thing then everybody eventually will turn into a zombie in that station mm. now if they still report the news i want to see that <laughs> But uh, in the morning, a well, I also wanted to ask you something though, too. Was like when you see the fact that um, with Ben who retreats into the cellar, which he didn't want to do, and now he's looking for that as refuge. I I thought that was an interesting way of saying, Well, now I have no choice but to be in the uh, basement, even though I didn't want to be here in the first place. But this is the yes, and that was the question I brought up too was it better to be in the attic or? Or upstairs because uh, when he was in the attic, none of the zombies came down there and he was able to survive till morning. But like you said, it's 50 50. Because there's food there. But I, I don't know. The zomb- maybe level one zombies, they're like, oh, there's a basement here. Like maybe they didn't know there was a basement there. Like the level that's one. That's what I'm saying, though. Like if, <laughs> like that's that's what I'm saying. Because here's the thing to make it like what I was saying before was okay. So if Harry and them decide to stay up there and then Ben and them all die, yeah. Guess what? They don't know that the zombies might not even know that there's a basement even to be down there. So therefore, they would probably just storm out back out of the house, and therefore that then Harry would have to find refuge somewhere else, and he would also have to find food somewhere else. This is true. Either way, somebody was gonna die. Right. <clears throat> but in the morning. A posse approaches the house. Find the remaining zombies. Hearing the uh, commotion, Ben ambles up the cellar stairs into the living room and peeks out the window, trying to decide if the coast is clear. One of the posse members, seemingly mistaking him for a zombie, which is stupid, shoots him in the head and kills him. His body is carried from the house and burned with the other zombie corpses as the closing credits roll. My thing is this. You shoot the guy in the head. You don't bother to check any markings to see if, oh, I made a mistake. You know? No, not this crowd. No, because they even no. when they come in, can't when when they came on scene, they were like kapow, kapow, kapow. They were just shooting randomly, like wild you, Yeah, they were just like shooting randomly. Like they go another one, boys. Kapow, kapow, kapow. <laughs> they were having fun. They're like get that one over there by the tree. Bam, Adam. Like they, <laughs> like they're storing 
point. Okay, so my thing with Ben, um, what if he yelled out, hey, it's me. I'm the only one in this house. Hell, like, do you think they would have stopped and said, wait, there's a live person in there? I think that he should have made some noise or something to sh- indicate that he was a human. But then again, he probably didn't he didn't trust anybody to do that anyways because he didn't know these people either. I'm going to throw my black card out there. So okay. maybe he thought, oh my God, it's a mob of white people with dogs. Let me approach cautiously and see what's going on here. He didn't even give a from cautiously. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm thinking like before he got shot, are they free? And that was the last thought he had well, are they free? And he meant to say friendly. Do I trust mm. or not? And then they just shot him. And then the way it ended, it was like you know, they came and they were like, ah, he dead. And it's like credits. And I was like, well, what? It's like the the, the ending was shocking to me the way it was edited. It was like he dead. Bam. Credits. And then it was it makes just me wonder like, if George ran out of money. If it's like, you know what? We're just going to end it here. <laughs> and then it's just the way I felt his death like yeah they didn't care about any other zombies right they were just shooting them but the way that he died was they had these hooks and they put it into his flesh and started dragging him out with the hooks to me it was so shocking and disappointing like oh my god like you could you know see like oh my god it's a group of white men and they're almost lynching in a sense this black guy and throw him on his pile with these other people and it's interesting too because he's the only black guy only black zombie um, there are no black zombies that I see. <laughs> There's no black zombies. There weren't any black zombies. I was like, the whole film is just weird. There's no black zombies. There's only white zombies. And clearly the zombies are taking over rural middle America, but they don't go to Washington. So the whole thing was right. just weird for me. But the ending was very shocking because I, I was like, oh my God, yeah, being gone, he's the only survivor. He's going to make it. And then George took that away from us. And I then feel like he like, did. I'll be honest with you as someone that's seen this for the first time I was rooting for Ben he's a strong character we care about him Uh, we have that emotional attachment to a character in case something happens to that character later on and you build this character up to survive the whole entire night and then all of a sudden you kill him off because of the fact that with these guys just looking for zombies I'd much rather him die being a hero and trying to save this family from dying and then he gets bitten by a zombie than for some random shooter to just go on ahead and shoot him. No, I didn't want him to be bitten by a zombie. I just wanted him. I'm just saying, like, if I was to choose the ending that I would want, I wouldn't want it to be where he gets shot by the posse. I'd rather him go out in a blaze of glory of him trying to survive and using, um, basically sacrificing himself to help this family versus him going out that way. Yes, yes. Anyway, besides this, just being a slab of meat to be put on a pile of other bodies to be burned. I would rather him just got out through the attic and ran. I don't know where he's going to go. We'll just go somewhere. <laughs> or just stay down in the attic until they leave. I don't know. But then they would have found out, oh, there's an attic here. <sighs> Maybe that was George's point. You know, that it's hopeless. It's the apocalypse. You know, there's no escape. There's no happy ending. It's just bleak and terrible. Right. Like, like, like Rick says, we are the walking dead. Yeah. Yeah. It was just very so, sad. It, it re- really was. I was hoping for a good outcome for him. But either way it goes, even if he survived, for instance, was to say that he doesn't survive the next herd of 
about zombies or anything like that, but you've never been given the chance anyway. So, you know. Or even the mom. Like, what were their intentions if he survived? Like, I feel like either way, he would have just died. I don't know. That's a good question. But I think that they would have given him a chance to survive. I don't think that they would have... I like this. I liked it, but I don't know if it would be one of those movies that I would go back and rewatch. That's what I'm saying, John. It took me 10 years to watch this again. <laughs> I can't do it after this no more, John. Don't worry. You don't have to. This is my first and last time seeing this movie. Now you and know I how I feel. Go, I probably won't go on any podcast reviewing this movie because it is a depressing film once you get finished watching it to the point where it's like, you know what? I need to watch Billy Madison or something to pick me up. <laughs> Billy Madison. And thank you so much for joining me and I hope that you guys have a great and safe night and make sure that you are kind to others and make sure that you don't go near a cemetery. <laughs> And don't and don't be a Johnny. That's all I'm gonna say. Don't be a Johnny. Take those leather gloves off. Take the leather off. <laughs> You're not in nine inch nails video. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later on and always until next time, guys. Bye bye. Yeah.